0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Monday Night Wars. It is January 29th, 1996, and we are live with WCW Monday Night Nitro in the Canton Civic Center in Canton, Ohio. We got Bobby, we got Eric, we got Steven and we got Joseph Rojas and Scott Kaufman. How are you doing Joseph? I'm doing good, Scott. How about you? I'm doing well. You know, we're trying we've been trying to knock out a bunch of these and this is our last one. So there's light at the end of the tunnel, but not yet. It's always darkest before the dawn, Joseph. A poet said that. Harvey Dent. Harvey yeah, Harvey Dent. <laughs> poet laureate himself well let's get into it let's get dangerous joseph let's get dangerous that's a Darkwing duck reference if you didn't get that one you want to get nuts let's get nuts oh oh making a batman 89 reference how many batman type references can we make probably a lot well let's start it off this is the end of the month this is the final show of january that's exciting but will the matches themselves be exciting joseph what do you think sure why not i like the positivity well let's get into it we got hulk hogan and rick flair and what happens hulk hogan no sells a bunch of stuff he hulks up rick flair beats him by cheating because hogan doesn't go down clean it's 13 minutes What'd you think of this one, Joseph? That sounds
1: like you're trying to create a narrative there about Hulk Hogan, and we—that's what that happened. Way.
0: This is Dragnet.
1: We're just the facts here. <laughs> That's—I don't think anybody that dude. We're gonna get back to getting our our plus sixty demographic with that reference. You better believe it. You know, and just one more thing, Joseph.
0: Because <laughs> I didn't mention uh, that Hulk's harem is back. We got Deborah McMichael. We got Linda Hogan, we got Miss Elizabeth, and we got the woman. I don't, I I, frankly, I don't know why this is happening. I don't know why they suddenly have this group of women that come out with them all the time because they come out with Randy Savage too. I feel like that's more like a Ric Flair thing. Like I don't get this. But anyways, Joseph, tell me what you think.
1: I think it's okay. So what they're doing is they're building towards something with that. I don't know if the execution is necessary. It's going to become a storyline thing in a second. I think the match is good, though. It got be for me. Eric Bischoff actually gives a special congratulations to the Pittsburgh Steelers, who just lost the Super Bowl the night before. And that must be like when Tony Khan gets Booker of the Year from Dave Meltzer. Come on, that, was a- that was a pretty good joke. You know you like that joke.
0: I do. I, you know, And I knew you were going to mention this. Yeah, because Bobby Heenan does make a crack about Kevin Green losing to the
1: Cowboys.
0: And I knew you were going to mention it, so I just let you have it.
1: That being said, from a star power perspective, this is a great way to start your show. I honestly kind of wish that I think it was last week when the show started with Mach and Flair. I wish they had ended the show because it was for the title. And I wish that one man gang and Hogan had started the show much like you're getting Flair and Hogan here because there is no title involved. I liked it. I enjoyed it. I think the storyline they're going with works until the dungeon of doom inevitably gets involved over and over and over again. And anytime it's just kind of these four men, I'm cool with it, but Dungeon and Doom is going to creep right back into it. I think it takes a huge head at Super Brawl and then goes into whatever the next pay-per-view is after that, but right now, I'm okay with it.
0: I liked Ric Flair in this match. That implies that you did not like somebody else. Oh, it does? It's like paint by numbers. Jimmy steals Miss Elizabeth's heel, and Ric Flair hits Hulk Hogan in the eye with the heel, and that's what allows Ric Flair to get the win. It's just, Ric Flair's good in everything he does. I mean, he'll he'll sell anything. But I just, ev- this is every single Hogan match. Ever. It's played out. The fans aren't interested in it anymore. I'm not interested in it anymore. Something needs to change. There needs to be a new
1: order to things at WCW. A small order or like a global order? Like a new world order. That'd be cool.
0: M-A-N-N-W-O-O. <coughs> <laughs> But not yet. We got so stupid. You liked it, man. Don't don't I like. I did.
1: It. I did. It was so dumb.
0: Before that, though, we got WCW Saturday Night six oh five. Ric Flair's gonna be there. Dean Malenko's gonna be there. Eddie Guerrero's gonna be there. Lex Luger's gonna be there. Pub- Public Enemy's gonna be there. Kevin Sullivan's Ke- Kevin Sullivan's gonna be there.
1: You're not making a great case for me to tune in. Sting's gonna be there. Oh, okay. I'm back. I got you back. I got you back. Yeah. 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 But then we
0: move into our next match. And I'm actually kind of excited about this match cuz we got the Road Warriors classics and we got one of my favorite tag teams in the early Nitro era, the Faces of Fear, Ming and the Barbarian. I like this match. This is dudes slapping meat. It's two good tag teams that do tag team moves. It's got everything I need
1: what did you think about it joseph yeah it was okay you son of a bitch <laughs> no i liked it. it gotta be for me there's no there's no real storyline involved but it gotta be for me like you said two big meaty teams slapping me my first note on this is scott is truly in heaven and deservedly so it brought everything I like together.
0: You know, I'm big on tag teams. I like them working together, doing cool moves and that kind of stuff. The Road Warriors are a classic tag team. I don't know if Ming and Barbarian have been together before, but they've got good chemistry, and we love old-school kind of wrestling, dudes slapping meat, just kind of feats
1: of strength kind of stuff, and we got that here. The Road Warriors are legends for a reason, and their first match being against the Faces of Fear is a lot of fun. I think this really plays into what kind of a team or a tandem that you have here. I think it I think it hit all the notes needed to hit.
0: Yeah, and this is the debut for both teams. I mean, obviously the Road Warriors are a storied team, but this is their this is their debut on WCW, their debut match and as as is the Faces of Fear, obviously Ming has been with WCW for a while, Barbarian recently showed up and this is their first tag team match together as the Faces of Fear. So we got we got debuts on Both sides. Pretty exciting stuff. The Road Warriors do win it, though. They defeat the Face of Fear. Nine minutes, six seconds. We can't go anywhere but up from here. Well, maybe not, Joseph. Because we got Mean Gene. But he's with Kevin Sullivan and Hugh Morris, who I know are two of your favorite guys. Kevin Sullivan is upset. He says Double A, Arn Anderson, broke his promise. He's not a man of his word because Arn told him that he was going to keep the loose cannon Brian Pillman in check. And then what does Brian Pillman do? He talks smack about Kevin Sullivan. Arn's going to come out here and handle this. Arn is a man and men be talking. And he tells Kevin Sullivan that he is a man's word. He's going to take care of us. Daddy Arn goes to town on Brian Pillman. He even takes off his belt. He's gonna show Pillman some tough love, he says. But then Hugh Morris and Kevin Sullivan, they attack. And that's too far for Arn Anderson. Arn Anderson lays into Hugh Morris and Sullivan, and he runs them off. Is the Horseman Dungeon of
1: Doom Alliance over Joseph? I gave this a D. I don't know what's going on in this. I mean, I know you just said it. I don't really understand what Sullivan is upset about because Pillman really hasn't done a whole lot in regards to Sullivan in the last few weeks.
0: He talks some smack at Clash of Champions.
1: I don't know. You just kind of sound petty. All right, I'll give you a for instance. I'm in a fantasy football league and there's a guy who was talking shit about me in a separate chat that my brother's part of. And this dude was like throwing a huge fit. Then I pointed it out that when I beat him, all of a sudden he was very quiet and he got really like wimpy about it. And I was like, I don't understand why you're being a bitch about the whole thing. And then he just kind of lost his shit because I said that. And I just feel like this is kind of what Kevin Sullivan's doing here. Just being a bitch. You can't run your mouth and then get upset when somebody else runs their mouth. I just don't like where this is going doesn't work. There's gonna be a kind of resolve at Super Brawl. I think I'm okay with that. But then it just—I don't know. This whole fucking Dungeon of Doom. I'm so sick of them. I can't. St- I can't stand it. There guy. we go. I'm you over finally, it. You finally blew your top. Yeah, I just. I. Why? Why do all these things?
0: Well, you'll be happy to know that uh, Hugh Morris and Kevin Sullivan are now in a match with Arn and Brian next week on Nitro. That's what I'm came out of this. Yeah. I'm thrilled. You're excited. I know. But are you even more excited about our next match? Depends on what the match is. Well, it's Medusa versus Love Sister Sherin. Yeah. So, for those who aren't subscribing to our patreon it's only two dollars a month and you get great content like this and more we did a clash of champions review and throughout clash of champions is this awful storyline of the colonel robert parker and sister sherry getting married at the little white chapel in las vegas because that's where true love starts there's a problem. Apparently, Colonel Robert Parker had a honey on the side, and that honey, I guess, is Medusa. That hasn't been completely clear, but that seems to be what's going on here. Mean Gene, or as I like to call him, Mean Gene, is in the ring, and he wants to interview Sister Sherry about this. We got to get to the bottom of this love triangle, but before he can do that, medusa sneaks in and comes off the top rope she and sherry go at it as mean gene gets the hell out of there they're throwing each other around ultimately though sister sherry gets the better of medusa she defeats medusa in this match one minute 48 seconds what is going on here joseph
1: why are they doing my girl medusa like this i gave this a c minus and the c's exclusively because i love medusa my question is who is the heel in this because yeah, I, it's a great question
0: i have no idea i feel like sister sherry kind of is the heel she does heel things right but she's the one that's supposedly gotten cheated on Who's the bad guy here?
1: Really? Isn't just Robert Parker the bad guy? Like, did Medusa know? It just feels like both women got played. I don't know, man. If you listen to our Patreon, you you got to watch us just descend into madness on Clash of Champions. It's just continuing here. We literally just talked about that for an hour, and I just don't want to talk about this anymore. It's so bad. So, if you want to hear us talk about this for an hour, don't forget to subscribe to the
0: Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really selling on that. Uh, yeah, they're, they're, they are running. They are running. Credit card in hand. And I think Medusa eventually wrestles Colonel Robert Parker. There's a match between them, too. I don't know what's going on. W, WCW doesn't know what's going on. Let's be real. But what is real is we're getting hyped for Cobra. The Sly Stallone classic is going to be on next after Nitro. I'm actually going to give you a little background on Cobra. Okay. Because it's a fascinating story. Sylvester Stallone was originally signed to a little film called Beverly Hills Cop. It was supposed to be Sly Stallone as Axel Foley in Beverly Hills Cop. He was the original actor signed to play that part. Sly didn't like the script. He thought it should be played more seriously. Creative differences ensued. He was kicked off the production. Sly Stallone decides he'll show them, and he makes Cobra, which is his Beverly Hills cop. It is horrible. Horrible, but like so horrible, it's kind of hilarious. It is just an absolute meathead fest. The opening scene is some guy, like a mass shooter in a supermarket, and he like rides his Harley through the door, roving gun battle through the supermarket with a bunch of innocent civilians running for cover. He's that cop that goes too far. You know, give me your badge and your gun, you're fired kind of cop, you know? Gotcha. It is ridiculous. And it's on next on TNT.
1: Man, can't wait to watch that.
0: You should watch it at least once.
1: Uh, yeah, Experience. that's probably not
0: that's <laughs> Experience probably not,
1: Unless you choose it. Fun fact, folks, we do a movie night every Friday. And the way it works is we're going to go a little ridiculous on this episode because I think we just both need to breathe on the stupidity we just watched in the last episode. We do a movie night every Friday. It's me, Scott, my brother, Matthew, and, and one of our mutual friends, a guy named Ben. And what we do is we roll dice every Thursday and whoever gets the high score gets to choose the movie the following day. And then they're out for the next week. And then you do this until everybody's out and then it resets. So maybe Scott, you'll have to choose that on one of your movie night choices. And you could tell everybody, look guys, this is going to be a bad movie and we just get to laugh at it. And then I'll roll my eyes and I'll know. Cause no, they don't listen to this podcast. I'll know what this is from. You've talked me into it. (laughs) I'm going to say that Joseph,
0: told me to pick this movie that's what i'm gonna tell them there you go yeah so it's all on you if they don't like it. (laughs) but you know what else i don't like what else don't you like the next match randy savage versus the giant and you say scott how can you not like randy savage versus the giant for the wcw world title well let me tell you the reason is the match is 28 seconds what happens is macho man comes out with his harem of women oh wait he doesn't he comes from behind. He attacks the giant match over. The giant defeats Randy Savage by DQ. Because he starts hitting the giant with the belt and all these kind of things. But then Ric Flair runs out. Hogan comes out to help Randy. Because, I mean, Hogan can clear a, a ring by himself. But Randy can't. He's not the Hulkster, you know. Hogan's got to come out. The dungeon comes out. It's bad. The only thing that's redeeming is rick flair goes to the commentary table and goes on one of the greatest rants of his life joseph what did you think about this
1: so i hear what you're saying those are all very valid points but i'm going to make a counterpoint to that okay you ready yes two words randy savage i mean that's fair so i need I you thought- to change your grade because well, i thought
0: you were going to say rick flair because the promo is good
1: Promo is good. I will actually agree with you, though. I I was not overly thrilled with this. It got a C for me. It's moving a story forward. But man, this is not great. Overall, this episode of Nitro, not stellar. We ran through it pretty fast. And I think
0: that tells you our feelings on it.
1: Yeah, we told personal stories. We talked about other things. Get ready for our new movie podcast that we're coming out with.
0: This podcast is whatever we say it is. Next week, they're going
1: to tune in. It's going to be Alan Wake chat. (laughs) It'll start with, so I bought Alan Wake on PS5, and you won't be upset this time. Because it'll be relevant to the
0: conversation that we're having. But there's more, Joseph. On WCW? No. Oh, okay. No, that's over. So So now we got to go to Raw. Maybe it'll be better.
1: Do you think it'll be better? It's got to be, right? Because this wasn't that great. Eh, Well, Well, hold on. I'm looking through my notes. I'm, oh, man. All it? right, let's just get into it. Let's just get it. All right, let's go. We are taped with Monday Night
0: Raw, January 29th, 1996. We're still in Stockton. We're at the Stockton Civic Auditorium, Stockton, California. As always, we got Vince and Jerry on the commentary.
1: That's it. I'm done. You're done with the whole thing? Yeah, see you later. All
0: right, man. We go pretty much into the first match. So we got Diesel and we got Davey boy smith i guess this match is kind of another one of diesel's i'm not the company man anymore i'm gonna do what i want uh davey boy obviously is camp Cornette. diesel ultimately comes out the winner obviously because it's camp Cornette. there's a lot of trickery that ensues what did you think about this
1: so I actually like this. It got a B for me. It, it's two meaty men slapping meat, which we both kind of like. Diesel was the right person to win, especially with what he's kind of doing. But I thought it was an odd step to have Yokozuna come out because he's not feuding with anybody. And the only way that I think this works is if this builds tension between him and Camp Cornette. So we'll kind of have to see where that goes in the next few weeks. But I enjoyed it for what it was.
0: Yeah, yeah, I guess the Yokozuna thing is kind of what spoiled it for me. That's why I'm not super hot on it. Yokozuna tries to break up Diesel's pin. Diesel moves out of the way and Bulldog takes the leg drop. And that's what costs Davey Boy the match. I almost kind of forgot Yokozuna was in Camp Cornette. So it took me a little bit for that to trigger back in my mind because it seems like Owen is kind of, I mean, I guess Owen is still kind of in Camp Cornet, but not. Really? I don't know what's going on with Camp Cornette. I don't know if Camp Cornette knows what's going on with Camp Cornette. Jim Cornette can read me a bedtime story anytime he wants, but no, he can't. Yeah, let's that's be real. True. No, you—that's
1: probably you, true. You, you, you'd probably be frightened.
0: Yeah, I mean that's true. The character, <laughs> yes. Jim Cornette as Jim Cornette, WWF. But after that, we got hype for In Your House. Bret Hart talks about his cage match with Diesel. He's got a black eye. He had a black eye kind of last time, but it seems more noticeable. That I I, Well, at least I thought he had what was the beginning of a black eye on the previous episode, but now it looks like he for sure has a black eye. I'm not sure if that's real or
1: not. It looks real to me. I wonder what you think. I'm going to assume that it's completely real because Bret Hart has never told a lie. Well, there you go. But more importantly... (laughs) More importantly, <laughs> I don't even know what I'm saying with that.
0: I just thought it was funny. You're cruising for a Bret Hart lawsuit. But more importantly, Doc Hendricks has a letter, a letter from Turner
1: Broadcasting. And but they don't. Specifically?
0: I don't have that on here.
1: Is it, is it you, Ted Turner himself? No, you didn't see who was on, on the uh, on the bottom of it. No, it was sent by Eric Bischoff.
0: Oh, Yeah. They don't really mention.
1: No, he's, it just shows him on in the letter that they show. It just shows that it's, it's from Eric Bischoff. So there you go. There you go. I wonder if that came from the top, though. I wonder if Ted Turner didn't
0: like this so much. But they told, but they're telling him, they say, you got to stop or we're going to sue. So, Joseph, what happens? How, how does WWF respond to this threat of litigation from WCW?
1: Uh, They joke about it and go right into a billionaire Ted sketch we got a billionaire ted
0: press conference
1: oh this is the press conference okay he's talking
0: about why he's trying to run wwf out of business what did you think about this joseph
1: like you said they go back into a billionaire ted sketch and this is kind of the first one that is really kind of inappropriate first off they're clearly making fun of WW for even remotely threatening legal action. And according to Eric Bischoff in his podcast, A3 Weeks, that's not really unfounded because apparently their legal team was kind of a joke and just kind of rolled over. But in the actual sketch, they talk about things like Ted Turner hating Vince McMahon and specifically trying to put them out of business. It's incredibly personal this sketch. They strongly suggest that Ted Turner is using money that does not belong to him to fund WCW and Hulk Hogan and all of their large talents. They also mentioned that Hulk Hogan has creative control. That's the first time it's ever mentioned. It's a very low, low point in WWF programming. It's not funny. It's actually incredibly insulting. I think this is part one, right, Scott? Yeah, I
0: don't think they get into if I'm recalling, I'm trying to remember because I didn't write it down, so they probably didn't do it. But I don't feel like this is where they start really kind of doing like stock manipulation. Like they start like making comments about trying to like devalue Turner broadcasting stock and things. And like that's actually not. You, you can't do that. You can't make misrepresentations that could potentially harm a stock's value. I don't recall them doing that on this one. But yeah, it's going to get worse. And then I,
1: at some point, they just abruptly end because I think they go too far. Well, they don't necessarily abruptly end. So what you're talking about, I believe happens next week because the press conference is a two-parter. And so the first week, they're just strongly implying that the funds are not exactly as they should seem. And next week, and we'll get into it, they get even worse and they kind of talk about the stock manipulation things that you're mentioning. In fact, even bringing up an ad that they tried to have run in like the New York Times or something like that. This is probably a good point to talk about how these sketches were perceived, because you actually mentioned like, I wonder how Ted Turner felt about them. Number one, as far as that goes, as far as Ted Turner and his kind of perspective on it, apparently he really didn't care. Apparently, according to Eric Bischoff, he saw the, the billionaire Ted skits and he laughed his ass off. Eric Bischoff said that on his podcast, 83 Weeks. Ted Turner couldn't care less about the sketches thought they were hilarious and that they were stupid. And honestly, these sketches would completely backfire. So what ends up happening, all these sketches will lead up to WrestleMania. So these sketches will not stop until WrestleMania, but they will alter after next week's sketch. Next week's sketch is the last really vicious one. And then they kind of go back into a comedic pattern after that. According to a book that Uh, It's called Sex, Lies, and Headlocks, The True Story of Vince McMahon by Sean Asail, I think, or Asail, or I'm not sure. I've never read the book. I had to find this excerpt. I think I found it on ESPN or something like that. Vinnie Mack had his legal staff send a brief to the Federal Trade Commission that merger talks between Ted Turner and Time Warner should be stopped because Turner was engaged in a systematic plan to destroy WWF. When that happened... And you have what happens next week where they actually show the ad they wanted published that then had to get altered because the I think it was New York Times was like, we're not going to post this. There's no way. So they altered a different version of it to kind of make it work. Uh, USA CEO Kay Koplovitz I believe, or Koplovich, ordered a stop to the billionaire Ted sketches initially and that Vince McMahon would need to send his raw scripts in advance for approval. The belief was that he was losing his touch and needed a fresh perspective. Raw was floundering by this point, and he would also be paired up with a rep from USA to help the show Wayne Becker, quote, as far as we were concerned, WWF was low maintenance as long as Vince was behaving himself. But the whole FTC thing really changed that. So these sketches backfired. In fact, they put the chain around what Vince McMahon was allowed to do. And made it that he had to have his things approved. I don't think this would last too long, especially in the next year as they got more popular, USA will start to kind of pull off, really when DX starts to explode, they'll kind of pull off. There's going to be some conversations we'll have, especially with in regards to DX, where it's like USA is not happy with things, but eventually they'll kind of turn a corner and USA will kind of let them do whatever they want because they're making so much money for the network. But right now, they're not in a good spot and USA has kind of lost faith in Vince McMahon and his petty behavior has become a problem. It's a huge backfire and they'll culminate in WrestleMania. And then after WrestleMania, they will finish like that's kind of the buildup to this storyline. And then they're going to finish it, which yes, if you're wondering, this is an actual storyline running in WWF. This time is this weird sketch they keep doing. And it's going to build up to a, I think a Huckster versus Nacho man match at WrestleMania. It's dumb. But once that happens, it's over and they kind of all move on and they go back to more important things. I can't wait for that match..
0: <sighs> <laughs> but we got another match, Joseph. We got the Body Donnas versus the Godwins. How exciting. Yeah, thrilled. With Sonny on the on the uh, Body Donna side and Hillbilly Jim on the Godwin side. The Godwins win, though. They pull it out. I mean, there's not I don't think there's really much to report from this match. It's pretty short. I mean, it's two minutes, 18 seconds. It's pretty short. The Godwins win it. They beat the body Donnas.
1: I gave this an F. I actually put here in the notes. I may be overly critical about this, but I hate this entire segment.
0: Yeah, there's nothing really to write home about here. I mean, it's kind of a squash match, right? It's pretty short. The Godwins win, which I don't get because they were pushing the body Donnas. I mean, the body Donnas just competed for the tag team titles at the Royal Rumble and now they're getting squashed by the Godwins who we haven't really heard from since the slot match with Hunter Hearst Helmsley. I guess it does right it does kind of create a new rivalry between these two because there's a sunny angle in this yeah yeah and I just that just I just remembered that and oh no
1: (laughs) and we get to talk about it
0: yeah well we'll talk about that later let's move on because there's actually some fun here now we've got We've got the highlight from Vader killing Gorilla Monsoon. Vader in his inaugural match destroyed his opponent Savio Vega, then proceeded to destroy the refs and ultimately even Gorilla Monsoon, who is now out because he's injured. He's hurt. He's in the hospital. You can send letters to him if you want. There's a P.O. box. You can write a get well Gorilla letter. Isn't that nice? But that also creates an issue gorilla monsoon is the interim president of wwf and if he's out who's running the show vince mcmahon introduces our new acting interim president rowdy roddy piper if i was picking someone to run my company i don't think it would be rowdy roddy piper but from a wrestling standpoint it's wonderful He's having a good time. He promises the WWF fans that they're going to have a great time. And he ends it by spinning Vince McMahon around. What did you think of this, Joseph?
1: This is kind of two segments. I'm going to cover the first bit. The talk about Gorilla Monsoon and all that and the Vader repackage, they actually cut to Jim Cornette and Clarence Mason. They're kind of doing, it's not really a vignette, but it's like a previously recorded promo. And it gets an A from me. Clarence Mason puts the fault of what Vader's actions were on Gorilla Monsoon instead. And it's fantastic because he's claiming technically Gorilla Monsoon through hands. So really what Vader did was self-defense. I love this. I love how ridiculous it is. It's kind of right, but like not really. This is the best kind of Clarence Mason, short and sweet. And really what his little angle is, is really, really, really well done. And I love it. Now, going into the Piper bit, I got to give that an A as well. I loved this Piper bit. Jerry, at some point, Jerry Lawler says that we are going to have the inmate running the asylum, which I think is probably the best line I've heard from Jerry Lawler so far. He ain't and it's wrong. Also- Yeah. And it's pretty accurate. It it, it fits Piper's persona. I know Piper still wanted to wrestle at this point because we're going to see him wrestling soon, potentially in a different company, but right now he's doing this. And honestly, this role suits him so well. It's difficult for wrestlers as the age to kind of give it up. I totally understand that same for any athlete. I get it. But some of them, when they're this talented on the mic, like you just look and go, yeah, that's a layup. That's a great role. For This kind of person and I think Piper is kind of this interim president slash GM whatever you want to call it is such a great fit for him. He does a great job. He runs all over this promo. He even brings up Newt Gingrich. That's how long that dumb fuck has been running things.
0: Bob Backlund is not going to be appreciative of your tone about Speaker of the House Newt Gingrich.
1: And of course, he said, everybody's got to pay the Piper, and you're no different. And then he picks up Vince, like you mentioned, and spins around. I loved it. I thought it was great. But I wanted to know what Piper's thoughts were on this. By this point, Piper was no longer used a wrestler. In 1991, Vince made him a commentator for WWF Superstars. And in a 2003 shoot interview on title match wrestling, he said, quote, I hated it. I didn't want to do it. Another quote, I don't want to do color commentating. That's for someone over the hill. Fast forwarding to Piper now as the president, he had this to say, quote, it was a puppet position. It's not going to do a thing for my career. I don't think it's going to harm me, but we better do something better than this. That was kind of what he was telling Vince and WF. Piper will have an entertaining run here, but it's not a very lengthy one. And that's unfortunate because I genuinely enjoyed him in this role. And over the next few weeks, every time he comes out, it's going to be a lot of fun.
0: Well, there you have it. But for us, it's an enjoyable couple of weeks. I don't feel like it lasts super long, but he's I
1: just fun. like WrestleMania, yeah. Yeah, but he's
0: fun. There's that fight with Goldust. That is something else. And we'll get there. But there's a promo, Joseph. There's a promo after that. We have someone new coming. He's missing an ear. They call him Mankind.
1: What do you think about this? Got an A for me. My note here is Mick Foley will get some bias grades from me. His character work is so good and hardly ever outmatched. There's not much to this segment. It's a very like, who is this guy? And it's well done in that sense. Like, no one really knows who it is. Obviously, now we know who it was, but at this time, you really don't. And the character of mankind is one of the great characters of all time. And Mick Foley's phenomenal. And also, he's such a great dude that, like, how can you help but not love him? So he's going to get some biased, biased grades for me, guys. Just expect a lot of A's that probably aren't deserved, but he's going to get them. How is it
0: biased? I disagree that these good grades for him are going to be biased. I think <laughs> all the grades for him are going to be good. He puts it all on the line every single match. That dude, I can't. I can't wait till we get to the infamous Hell in a Cell match where the entire match is just Undertaker- Saying like, hey, I think we've done enough. Like, I think we're good. Let's stop. And he's like, nah, throw me off of it again. It's yeah. like, that's that's him every match, though. It yeah, doesn't yeah. matter if it's a pay-per-view or just a Monday night. That dude is willing to lose another ear for your entertainment. It's something else. Is this the first iteration of Mankind? I don't think we've seen Mankind before, right? He was Cactus Jack in WCW.
1: Correct. This is the very first
0: iteration of Mankind. So that's pretty exciting. And it's a great character, and he does a great job with it. He comes off pretty crazy, which is the point of Mankind. After that, though, we got our main event. We got Shawn Michaels versus Yoko Zuna. Of note, we got Shawn Michaels doing a little strip tease for Joseph. Very exciting Ooh. stuff. Oh, yeah. so good. But other than that, it's honestly kind of like the diesel match right it's it's a fairly straightforward match I mean Yokozuna is obviously a big guy Sean has some trouble with him because he's a big guy that's 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 that match I think Sean does those matches really well yes Uh, the unstoppable force big guy versus Sean who's got to use his speed and his skill to kind of overwhelm him it's a camp cornet match right so there's got to be some tomfoolery Owen Hart comes out because he and Sean have got beef He's there to kind of distract Sean so Yoko can get the win. It doesn't work though. Sean Michaels defeats Yokozuna. What'd you think about this?
1: I actually thoroughly enjoyed this. It got a B for me. I can't give it an A because Yokozuna is just not in a position where I think he can get an A at this point. Like he just doesn't do enough. You mentioned how Sean does well, you know, against bigger guys. And my very first note here was only two men in the WWF at this time can make Yokozuna look good, HBK and Owen Hart. I think those are the only two who can do it. And it's really due to their willingness to use their elite athleticisms to bump for their opponents. They do such a great job of selling. And both men will make Yokozuna look better than he, he has in a long time in the next few weeks and months. The crowd actually loves this match. They're fully behind HBK, as they should be, to be clear but they love this. They love what's going on. And we're starting to see dissension in Camp Cornette, which is pretty cool to see. The weird thing about that is it lasts a long time because we're starting here. This is the first time I remember us talking about Camp Cornette kind of falling apart. And we're starting here in January. And I know this goes to at least September. That's a long time for this to kind of take place but we'll see how that goes some some upsides, some downsides
0: there is an official breakup of camp Cornette at some point where they announce the breakup but then they don't really break up
1: yeah it's weird you mentioned that sean it you know somehow wins and everything well part of the reason he wins is not only does he win but camp cornet is like well we're going to beat you up sean looks worried until diesel comes out and diesel comes out to support him and i loved this number one because they've been doing this thing with the two of them right also it's going to help for their eventual breakup, which is it's just bound to happen in the next few months. But on top of that, Sean looks incredibly worried. Like I'm going to get the crap kicked out of me. And then diesel comes out and Sean gets so cocky and it's hilarious. Like he's doing the little, like the upside down fisticuffs thing that you do when you're pretending to fight one of your friends, you know, like the Irish, the, the fighting Irish kind of motion that, that you'll mm-hmm. see. And Then like Jim Cornette starts screaming at Diesel and Diesel does that thing where you make a really dumb face and you mock someone as they speak. So like when they say something, you say something at the same time, you're just pretending to be them. And I laughed so hard when he did that. It's so dumb and I loved it. It's a really fun end to the show. I I had a great time watching it.
0: Yeah, it wasn't bad. And the purpose of it, it's just, I mean, I guess, honestly, in hindsight, both of these matches, right? The uh, the Shawn Michaels-Yokozuna and the Diesel-British bulldog Davy Boy Smith match were both in service of a story, right? Because we find out what the story is now. Camp Cornette wants the dudes with attitude. They want a match, right? Because after... The Shawn Michaels-Yokozuna match, Davey Boy Smith comes out. He's pissed at Yokozuna because Yokozuna cost him his match. There's some disagreements. Jim Cornette calms them down and says, Hey, you know, you're not each other's enemy. They're our enemy. They're who we want. We want a tag team match against them. That's where we end it. There's going to be more than likely, it sounds like, a dudes with attitude versus Camp Cornette tag match. I can only guess it will be at in your house the next pay-per-view and that's how we ended it you know i think it ends on a pretty good hype not bad i overall don't think it's bad the question is is it better than wcw tonight
1: what do you think i think it started off pretty well and ended pretty well and i think overall it's better than wcw again it's not way better But I think it's a better overall program. And you're starting to see Raw put together some interesting ideas and put them on screen. And you're seeing WCW really kind of resting on their laurels. And I think that's the tonal shift that I'm in favor of for Raw.
0: You think they're starting to feel the heat a little bit?
1: I just think that Nitro, that momentum that started them is gone now, right? AEW had this problem two years in where it's like eventually that the hot new thing is going to wear out. There's nothing you can do to avoid that. That's going to happen. Once that happens, how do you react to that? Nitro hasn't figured it out yet. You've mentioned, uh, you know, how much you're sick of seeing the Hogan stuff. Well, that Hogan stuff worked really well at the beginning of Nitro. It's not anymore, and so they haven't quite figured out like what do we need to do differently. And you feel that on the on the last two NitrOs, where you're seeing not necessarily bad shows but just kind of almost lazy shows, complacent shows. And I think Raw really is starting to figure out what they need to do. Not, not, not 100% because they've got you know some some dumb things that we've talked about, but you're seeing things like this Mankind stuff and he's going to start being all over the place. They start to use Taker better. Very Actually, right now they're starting to use Taker better and he had a bad 95. I mean, he had some really bad feuds. Diesel is interesting. Razor Ramon's a little lost right now. Shawn Michaels is interesting. Goldust is interesting. This ringmaster guy is interesting. They're starting <laughs> to, to put this stuff together. It's not they're not there yet, and they won't be really all year. But you're starting to see some positive results good on you mentioning
0: the ringmaster because if you didn't i was i was primed i was like (laughs) caged tiger waiting to strike yeah you know i've been while you were talking about it i've really been thinking i've been thinking about this a lot because this one's tough for me i feel like they both had ups and downs and i'm trying to decide if the ups on one eclipse the ups on the other right so i think yeah i think the Shawn michaels yokozuna match was pretty good yokozuna you know not the performer that he used to be but sean makes him look good sean is very good at these he he excels in these kind of matches right so he he makes it look he sells it he makes it look good the diesel david boy smith match it's okay i'm not a huge fan of diesel I guess I like Kevin Nash. I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of the diesel angle. And I don't, I mean, Kevin Nash isn't a huge fan of the diesel angle at this point, but, and then, and in the middle, the Godwins versus skip and zip, we're throwing that out. So we're, we're, we're weighing on diesel, Davies boy Smith, Sean, Yokozuna, Godwin matches out. That's no good. But then we've got Ric Flair and Hogan love Ric Flair, but I'm so tired of Hogan. So, it, so half of that match is formulaic e Hogan. We got the road warriors in the faces of fear. I love that. You know, I'm big on them. Sher- Sister Sherry and Medusa, though, that may be the nail in the coffin for Nitro tonight. You know, you might have sold me on giving it <laughs> to Raw. I, 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 I'm I, going down the cart and I see Sister Sherry Medusa and I go, oh, yeah. And then, and then, and then the non-main event, right? Giant and Randy Savage, 28 seconds. I think you're right. I think it's I think it's Raw tonight because they had they had two pretty good matches and one that was not good. I mean, it wasn't even bad. It was just short and it wasn't worth our time. But how did the viewers feel, Joseph? Who won the ratings battle?
1: Well, Raw dropped drastically from the 2.9 they got last week to 2.4. And didn't we give it to Raw last week? We did.
0: So the fans watched it and said, nah, I, I, I'm not about that. I'm not watching next week. But I got to tell you, Nitro won it. They got a 2.8. And I think they were 2.8
1: the previous week, weren't they?
0: 2.7. So they got won up- you. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe that card, Flair and Hogan, Road Warriors, Faces of Fear. It's a good card. On, yeah. on paper, that's a great card. Yeah. Giant Randy Savage. I mean, the Sister Sherry Medusa, I don't know so much. I mean, Medusa's great. I'd go see a Medusa match, but this i don't i wouldn't go see this yeah yeah but yeah uh i mean sherry's passed her prime did sherry ever wrestle or was she always yeah yeah no she wrestled
1: for quite some time before she made it. I,
0: I mean she certainly passed her prime at this correct one, right she's yeah. not a wrestler anymore so yeah that's not one i would i would beat the doors down to go see but yeah i think i think you're right i think raw won it but that brings us to the end we got nothing more to say i'm scott with me is joseph bye everybody bye guys
1: Hey, everybody, it's Joseph. Did you like this podcast? Well, we hope that you did, and also that you join us every Monday for new episodes. You can listen to us on Spotify, and soon we'll explore other platforms to bring you episodes of the Monday Night Wars. Did you listen to this podcast and think, hmm, pretty sure they're wrong about that? Well, let us know. You can email us at mnwpodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's mnwpodcast at gmail.com. And correct anything we messed up. Don't worry, you won't bruise our egos. You can also give us suggestions, follow the show, or even just reach out to us on the following platforms. On Twitter, you can reach us at M-O-N, Night Wars Pod. Again, M-O-N, Night Wars Pod. And on Instagram and Facebook, you can reach us at Monday Night Wars Podcast. And finally, if you feel like supporting this podcast and also getting bonus content, you can follow us on Patreon at Monday Night Wars Podcast. For the low price of $2 a month, you get every episode of the Monday Night Wars and also every breakdown of every WCW and WWF pay-per-view during this era with more content to come. Again, and one last time, thank you so much for taking the time to tune in. We'll see you next Monday back here on the Monday Night Wars podcast. So I bought Alan Wake on the PS5. (sighs)